High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. slumberers out there. This is a very special Monday edition of High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the study session's at my place this evening. But first, school is still in session, so let's chat about your homework. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. I see some very confused faces out there, but let me explain. First of all, technically you didn't have homework because I kind of just decided to do this on a whim and it wasn't announced in last week's episode, so you'll get a free pass. More on that later. But you might be asking, why am I here? I thought this was a Friday show. Well, just to bring it down a little, we've been going through a lot right now, all of us. Some of us are working really, really, really hard to put an end, hopefully, to this COVID-19 crisis. No rush on that, but obviously the rest of us maybe are at home not doing as much, perhaps, or maybe we're in support roles. Whatever. This is such a different time than it was even a month ago. So we're going to switch things up a little on this show, and for the time being, we're going to have Monday and Friday shows. I've had some time to record some episodes, so we're all good there, and we'll probably record some more as well. And I just wanted to drop this for a number of other reasons that, again, we'll go into later with our guest, the godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski. He's here, and he's 
ready to rock because we got another basketball film today. We got a film called The Way Back, a film that just came out that you could actually rent VOD. It was in the theaters like a couple weeks ago, but you could see it now. And if you didn't do your homework, I'm going to play the trailer now and I'm going to give you a chance to pause this episode and watch the movie. You know, my dad told me last night, he said that you got a full ride to Kansas. You just quit. Why? My father didn't like me very much. And someone told him I was good at basketball. And he paid a lot more attention to me. And I realized it wasn't me that he loved. It was what I could do. I spent a lot of time hurting myself, trying to hurt my father. I never picked up a basketball again. I need a new coach, Jack. You're the first person I thought of. The team any good? No. <laughs> In fact, the last time they made the playoffs, back when you were playing. It's the whole team, 10 kids. You want to know why they're leaving you open? It's because they don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. Oh, oh, oh. Snap. Heard you're coaching basketball. Just my mind off other things. You don't decide the game. The players decide the game. I understand you're trying to motivate the team, but we have a code of conduct. Oh, bullshit. I'm working on it. Work harder. This team is not as bad as its record. We have to trust each other. We have to have faith. I just want you to be happy again. But you gotta want it too. Don't underestimate the impact you can have on them. You got this. No, don't just nod. I want to hear your voice. Yes or no? Yes, coach. You're nervous. I get it. Truth is, they're more talented than you. Probably got a better coach. But I promise you, they are not a better team. Because they haven't been through what we've been through. They don't know adversity. They don't know what it's like to get knocked down, to have to get back up again. They don't know what it is to fight. Who are we? Hey! 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 We can't change the past, Jack. What we can do is choose how we move forward. So if you didn't see the movie, and you didn't just pause it right there, consider that trailer your cheat sheet, <laughs> because we're going to get into it today, that's for sure. Whoa, 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 you know the drill. The bell doesn't dismiss you, I dismiss you. And I don't care if we're being homeschooled right now, I brought the bell with me. And to be honest with you, I feel kind of weird saying that we're having a slumber party on a Monday. So let's call these study sessions, if you will. We're going to go to film study. Whatever. It works in my head. <laughs> anyway, my homework, as always, is to mention these things. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. And, of course, you can listen to us on the flagship. That's cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. The home of so many other great podcasts. And if you find yourself bored in these incoming weeks, or you need something to commute to because you're a healthcare worker or you're someone who's supporting healthcare workers, listen to all the great shows we have there. So many great stuff, and so many people are pumping out more stuff these days that there'll be something for you, I promise. Also, remember, class participation is a huge part of your grade, even more so now. So you want to check us out on Facebook, you want to check us out on Instagram, and you want to check us out on the Twitter. 
And of course, did you do your homework and listen to last week's awesome live episode, last Friday's live episode? There's going to be a lot on social media about that because since then, things have actually happened. Things that are breakthroughs from stuff we talked about. And I'll be posting something important, something near and dear to me. The poll will go up for my cousin Pumpkin's goofy movie tattoo. It's up to you guys to decide what he will get permanently scarred on his body from the film The Goofy Movie. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to last week's episode or check out our social media. It's the most awesome thing I've ever been a part of. I'll put it that way. (laughs) So without further ado, let's get into this one. Let's get into The Way Back. So I'll leave you with a song off this soundtrack, Ma and the Hoople, a band I really like, Backsliding Fearlessly. So pack your school books. Tell your mother you're going to video chat with Brian. I'm working on this, okay? I don't know if you're using Zoom, House Party, Skype. There's so many these days. But we're about to get our study party on. Class dismissed. times we're in right now i'm glad you picked an uplifting film <laughs> i'm joking i mean it well, is uplifting right it but is like... and not yeah <laughs> i laughed and i was like i don't know if that's a joke or not like it was you said it like it was a joke but it's not entirely no, it's not a joke, entirely a it joke is... but it's definitely not an easy film i'll put it that way sure which is totally fine but it, yeah it's not this is not your uh slapstick clunker of a movie that's for sure but before we get into any of that i don't want to forget this because i tend to forget this uh joey why don't you introduce yourself in the classic high school slumber party model of course joey lewandowski hundred and central regional high school class of 2006 go red devils go maroons <laughs> maybe you'll combine high schools and be the maroon devils who knows but... Ooh. <laughs> So happy to have you on. How have you been holding up? I assume you've watched a lot of movies, or maybe not. What have you been doing? So I've been catching up on TV. I am now, this weekend, as we're recording, this is going to be my movie week. This kicked off my uh, my movie watching. I got another one that we're going to watch, another new release that we're going to release this week on Friday on Too Fast, Too Forever, because you're doing bonus episodes now. I'm doing bonus episodes now with Joe, too. Past cast of yours, Joe, yes, too. Of course. We're going to do uh, Bloodshot, the new Vin Diesel movie, because now that all these new releases are on VOD... You know, get them out into the world. Like, let people see them at home, safely at home, and let's talk about them. Yeah, why not? I mean, I'm in favor of that for sure. And, you know, you mentioned, again, we're doing this on a special day, Monday, for a lot of reasons. One, you know, some of us have the time now. Two, a reason you just mentioned, we we have these, like, VOD movies now, which we didn't even expect, which is awesome. Again, I'd rather everyone be healthy and things were normal and not have the VOD movies, but if it's going to happen, this is... Because this is a movie that, like, three weeks ago, like, which feels like forever. Yeah, it does. Because we've all lived (laughs) four lifetimes in the last three weeks. But I was like, oh, did you know that there's a Ben Affleck high school movie in theaters now? If you can fit it into this month, 
you should. And you were like, well, I've got my honeymoon planned. So sorry. Uh, <laughs> and I've already been, you know, I backlogged a little bit and I don't have room, but maybe next year. It's like, okay, cool. That makes sense. And then life dealt us a terrible hand in many different ways, but that allowed us to sneak this one in. So that's, absolutely, I guess, a silver lining. Yeah. I mean, that's reason three why we're doing it on this this Monday because, you know, still technically March Madness. I, I thought yeah. we were done with it, but this is definitely worth, in my mind, like worth it to be in the March Madness pantheon of basketball films. So not that it's like a straight basketball film, but what is? And then the fourth, I guess, reason or reason you're on today, not just because you suggested the film, but I just had episode 100. This is episode yep. 101, and I feel like, mm. you know, you got to bring the Godfather back to to start fresh and right my wrongs. And this is another chapter almost. And, you know, you're here to to start that with me. So I'm happy to have you. Well, thank you so much. On Comedy Bang Bang, which is one of my favorite podcasts, whenever they open up a new 100 episodes, like they have every 100th, they have a big celebration spectacular, which is like three hours long. They have all these different people come on, sort of like what you did. Yeah. (laughs) But then every time there's a number 01 that's when uh, scott says he breaks off a new hundo and i think they always have the same guest and i want to say it's andy daly and jason manzukis i'm gonna look it up right now hmm. comedy bang bang 501 or maybe not i don't know he definitely has the uh breaking off a new hundo there's ways that he celebrates every hundredth and every hundred and first and so yeah i mean i'm i'm honored to be back-to-back episodes as you're andy richter and now i guess Andy Richter promoting something? I guess I'm just here the whole time. <laughs> well, I mean, I like it. I love that breaking off a new hundo. It feels weird, but who knows, you know, how long this will go for. I'll just tell you this. I was looking at my list of movies. I'm like, oh my God, there are so many high school movies. I'll never get to them all, obviously, but whew, like this could go on forever, baby. You have a reasonable out. I mean, at any point you could just stop. That's totally fine. <laughs> like when, you, when your wife is just like, Brian, enough's enough. You're like, all right, yes, dear. But... You have a realistic out that if you want to, when you graduate high school in, in, after your senior year, you could either do a for senior year or you could just end it there and then move on to college or something else or who knows what. But oh, yeah, you've true. built in a reasonable out for yourself if you want one. Absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there for sure. It's just in two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Joey, they keep making high school movies like this one. I'm not complaining. No. It's going to be interesting to see. Anyway, though, The Way Back is the film. You mentioned it's a new film, 2020. I don't know if you found a place where you can rent it. I had to buy no, it. No, it's just, it's just a buy only. You know, which is fine. It is what it is. If you think about, like, if this was in the theaters, maybe you wouldn't spend $18. But it, if you think about gas and all these other things, it's not that far off. And I got to do it from the comfort of my own living room. I mean, that's how I justified it, at least. Yeah, we've talked about this on Too Fast, Too Forever, and I've had this conversation with my boss. Again, this is not a silver lining. I don't want to say this is a silver lining of this because... This is putting a lot of people out of work and could bankrupt in the movie theaters and everything like that. But movie distribution is really an antiquated industry that this is shaking up in possibly a good way. And we haven't really seen, I guess, like Trolls World Tour is going to be the big one that's, you know, day and date in theaters and on VOD. But like we haven't seen a Fast and Furious or a Wonder Woman or something where it's like on VOD first. But there's a lot of benefits to being able to watching it at home. I don't know that you're ever going to have as good of an ideal movie experience at home as you would at the theater. Like, when everything goes right in the theater, it's, like, hard to top that. At the same time, you're not going to have all of the many, many ways that watching a movie in the theater is a terrible experience. People talking, people texting, just overall rudeness. Like you're saying, the wild costs 
of everything, right? Yeah. So there's there's ups and downs, but I think this is a nice way, especially now as we all just need something to watch and there's movies out there like this is a movie, then Bloodshot, and what was the third one? Oh, The Hunt, that I was just like, I want to see these movies when they came out. And then I'm like, I can't I can't risk getting coronavirus to see a Vin Diesel movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, unless it's Fast and Furious, then I would probably risk yeah, it. But I was at the same say. time, like, I can't do that. But they're all now on VOD, so it's, a, again, not a silver lining because there's, there's sort of a lot of bad to this as opposed to just the good. But, like, I'm hoping that this shakes things up in a way that everybody benefits from eventually. Because there are reasons you go to theater as well, and maybe they just yeah. shouldn't be a new movie, you know? Like, I don't know going on a date or if it's like an Alamo trying some new beers or just being social. Like I do look forward to doing that again, but I think you're right that there needs to be some kind of more balance. I don't know. Look, we're not economists either. We could totally, like you said, be destroying the indie cinemas or whatever, but I definitely see where you're coming from. And this was, again, it felt like you said, it felt like forever ago, but it's just amazing that we can watch this film now. If this wasn't the case, if this happened, um, you know, the whole coronavirus thing happened like 20 years ago, this movie might be like lost forever because of its timing. Sure. So this is a way for like the hardworking people who made this film for their art to be seen. They did all this promotion and we'll talk about it, but Ben Affleck did a ton of promotion for this film. They put a lot of work into that. So this is when it's hot, you know? So point is, I definitely agree with you. The way back... It's not The Way Way Back, another film that you've been a guest on in this podcast. Absolutely. Very different movie, too, so I <laughs> want to clarify. <laughs> and there's another movie called The Way Back, which I have not seen, but I think it's a war movie. I don't think it's a high school movie, but there is another version, another movie with this title. So it's a very common phraseology, I guess. Yeah, uh, so this movie was originally titled The Has Been. Okay. Which I like The Way Back better. The Has Been kind of, I don't know, it rings a little bit like... In Adam Sandler. That sounds like film. a slapstick comedy. Yeah, exactly, kind of thing. exactly. You know, like a Rob Schneider's in it or something. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Way Back is better. I saw that this was also in some markets marketed as Finding the Way Back, which it's almost like in the social network, just like, don't call it the Facebook, just call it Facebook. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's sometimes a little bit better. Yeah, that's a little weird. <laughs> no, but I think it's a great title. We're not going to get a back of VHS or back of DVD, obviously. I mean, I just wrote down the Amazon summary and I'll read sure. that. Former high school basketball phenom, now struggling from a loss, is asked to coach today's mediocre team and sparks them on a winning streak. But is it enough for redemption? You know these modern services don't really care about this set as much, yeah. so <laughs> it's very clear there. So what really drew you into this movie? Like I said, you were the one who really, I don't know if you brought it to my attention, but you definitely like you know flashed it in my mind that we should do this. So like what stuck out about this movie to you before you saw it? Well, so there was a time that you know, and I don't know how many times we've actually talked about it, but Mike and I, past guest, resident historian Mike Manzi and I, (laughs) were going to do an entire podcast about Ben Affleck. Not necessarily because we love him, because I don't know that either of us really have strong feelings toward him one way or the other, but he fit really well, I think, in that mode where, like Cage, like Keanu, He's the type of actor who people make fun of. And we were like, I don't know that because he's really good. Like, he's really good in this movie. And so we wanted to basically continue our thesis statement of like, is this actor who people make fun of who think it's like a one note thing? Is that true? And then there was a couple things that came out that were not necessarily favorable, but then that all kind of blew over, luckily, sort of, I guess. You know, sort of Me Too things, and I don't want to minimalize no, that, no, but no, there was like a, a, there was a day where like over 36 hours, there were like three things that came out against him were just like, yo. And then like two of those, like they were 
basically nullify. I don't, I don't know how to word this, but it seems like in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't going to be a terrible idea, but we moved on. We did Charlie's anyway. So in my head, there's always been this kind of fascination because like I started buying movies. Mike had his entire box of Ben where he owned like all the DVDs <laughs> and they're just in a closet somewhere. And I'm interested in this career because I don't know actually how we get from point A to point Z. Like we watched the first thing he ever he was ever in, which I think is the house at the end of the street or something like that. It's where he plays like an eight year old kid. He's in one scene. The movie is awful. Uh, so Mike and I did that. We edited it. We released it a couple of years ago on April Fool's Day because we're like, when, are, when else are we ever going to put this out? <laughs> and so I think I always, I'm interested in his evolution. I do think he's a better actor than people give him credit for. It's also th- just the thing where I see a new movie, because I like to think that I'm more up on new movies than most people. And I'm like, hey, do you know that there is a high school movie in theaters right now? Because I know when you can, whether it's like eighth grade or whatever, or Booksmart that we you and I did, like, you try to get to the theater and you try to do these sort of more timely. And so I always just try to point those out because I think it's cool to talk about things that are new. So I think it's just, this is not a movie that I was necessarily super looking forward to, but I enjoyed it and I was glad that we got to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I do like to definitely do that. This is a movie though. And we've covered a lot of these where I kind of knew it wasn't going to be about the kids and that's totally fine. Like I'd like to mix it up here when it comes to those things. This is not like strictly, you know, for lack of a better example, like we don't just do like high school musical films, you know, um, nice. we do movies like this and I do like that, but I guess I wasn't as like, oh, we need to cover it. The honeymoon was a factor, not going to lie, but also Booksmart felt like it would be almost like what Ladybird was, what Juno was. Like I knew this would not move the needle in the high school genre, but right. And if this was a sports podcast, I would 100% like have made time and put it in the schedule. That's not like to diss the movie, but I think you know what I'm saying. You know, This is not like your traditional Absolutely. high school film, but it's still a film I definitely wanted to cover. And you mentioned Affleck. We're going to be talking about him a lot because this is such, not obviously he's the star, but this is such a personal project. And you mm-hmm. can tell, like it just, it bleeds Ben Affleck. First though, the director, Gavin O'Connor. He worked with Ben Affleck previously in the film The Accountant. Okay, which I have seen, which I think is... It's a weird movie. That was definitely going to be one of the weirder ones that we talked about. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, I read a review somewhere that it's like, Goodwill Hunting meets The Bourne Identity, but Ben Affleck... But he has like Asperger's. Yeah, it's a very weird kind of thing. (laughs) But... This guy, uh, Gavin O'Connor, he's really making a name for himself. I mean, he's by no means like a young man or something, so I don't want to like confuse people. Like, oh, this guy's out of college, it's young. No, he's been doing stuff for a while. But he's really like made a name for himself with sports films. This is his third sports film. He did Miracle, okay. you know, the, the hockey movie about the 1980 hockey team. And he did an MMA film called Warrior. Oh, with is that with Tom Hardy? Yeah. Yeah, Tom Hardy and Joel okay. Egerton. Yeah, that's a movie that I've been meaning to watch that I have not gotten to, but I was looking. I've heard good things about that one. Yeah, I have too. It's on my list as well. I, you know, you just forget about it and stuff. But I think I'm definitely going to watch it after seeing this one. Like I said, he he does sports movies well. Miracle was a film that came out. It got hyped a lot, and I don't know if it met its expectations originally. Since then, it's been considered one of the more appreciated sports films, and. Again, while this is not a straight sports film, I kind of have a feeling that the reputation of this film will grow as well. Obviously, it was dealt a bad hand with coronavirus and and all that. Mm -hmm. But sports films, it's a weird genre because they can be very tropey. So I think on first glance to people, 
They're not fans like your buddy Mike Manzi, who famously, <laughs> on first glance, sports, yeah. and now he's a, now he's a big sports head. <laughs> but I think this film is something that's going to grow in reputation. Like maybe when like coaches, actual coaches, show it to their their kids. I have a feeling that this is going to make the rounds, and this is going to be something because I don't hear too many people talking about it now. I mean, for obvious reasons, <laughs> the right. country's kind of occupied with other things. But I have high hopes for this one. A really high compliment that I can pay this movie is that the sports, like the basketball in this, is great. Mm-hmm. Like the basketball, the scenes, like the realism. I guess the thing to mention off the top of the like the off the jump is that this is even if you don't see this movie, if you're like, okay, Ben Ben Affleck plays an alcoholic former basketball star who dealing with a loss and then coaches a basketball team like if you describe that like I could without seeing the movie I could explain almost verbatim what this movie's about and that doesn't matter I don't think because everything else is so well done mm-hmm. the basketball is so good and so clean and well shot and everything like the the central performance that you've mentioned you've alluded to the Ben Affleck here is so good that it doesn't matter that it's formulaic because it treats it like I don't think it could ever rise to one of the all-time greats but I think that everything about this is like really well done. Like the thing that they keep saying in the movie, I feel like this movie does well. Like, you know, you have to do the little things well, right? And I feel like this movie does do the little things well. Like I think that all the things that could go wrong in the sports movie, either unrealistic action or just, you know, way too reliant on tropes or whatever, like it it kind of does, but it, it embraces it and does it in a way that works out to its benefit, I think. A hundred percent. Two points on that. The basketball in this is so crisp. Like, baseball is a sport that I don't think it's too hard to film because it's kind of slow. You know, you set something up, something happens. Basketball, hockey, even, like, boxing, wrestling, things like that, there's more movement. The drama is so different, and to be able to capture that, like, we talked about Teen Wolf on this podcast, and fun movie, I had a blast watching it, but the basketball scenes are pretty terrible, Oh, it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> this is, you know, you feel like you're watching a, a game at moments, and that's awesome. And, and another thing you brought up, and it's something I think I echoed in my notes as well, like this movie, a lot of it is about heart and hustle and yep. just working hard. And on the surface, that's all in here, but just you feel like that exists in Ben Affleck's performance as well. And everyone on here, like, you feel like this is, like, a kind of hustle kind of film. No one's mailing it in. Like, everyone's doing their thing and working hard, and I, I just love that aspect of it. And I think one other thing that's really good about this movie, and I think this might have been the point that I was trying to make before, while this movie relies on tropes and things that you've seen before, I think the biggest sin or one of the biggest sins that a movie, a sports movie can make is kind of like the Friday Night Lights effect. Like, I love that movie. I love the TV show. But so many of those games are are defined, the, the TV show more so than the movie, are defined by, like, last second Hail Marys. It's just like, oh, they're down by six. And, like, you know, he's going to chuck it deep. And then, <laughs> oh, they win. Like, those kind of things where, like, everything is a buzzer beater, everything is, a la- like, a fourth and long, and it's, you know, there's three seconds off on the clock or whatever, it's bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Like, the kind of the cliches were, like, because games aren't like that. Like, sometimes they are, but most games aren't. And I feel like this movie, in spite of relying in terms of its narrative and its emotional weight, I think, on tropes, I think the basketball itself is, the each game feels earned and feels real. And, like, when, and we'll get to it, but, like, when early on when the team is a mess like they don't even show like the first game they don't even show you oh, I like love they're, that. they just lose by 40 or whatever I'm like that's cool as the the season goes on they show you a little bit more and a little bit more but it never feels like 
it's movie cliches. Like, it's just like, oh no, this team is a mess, and like, we're not even going to show you how bad they are because like, there's nothing worth watching. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and they were able to use that time to develop character more than us watching just five minutes of a basketball team doing bad that we know is bad you know it was almost more jarring when he'd make like a a bit of a rah-rah speech and then it would just cut to that uh score thing and it would show they lost by 20 you know (laughs) you're right that added such an awesome realism to it i can't like praise this director enough i hope he does more sports films i don't want to put him in a genre but you know i'd love to see uh more out of him Really quickly, I wanted to mention that he actually left the new Suicide Squad movie to do this film. And there's an interesting story about that. Ben Affleck, the first day of shooting, was actually the first day out of rehab for him. Whoa, for, okay. For alcoholism. They Ooh, had okay. They had worked on this. I mean, Ben Affleck and a, a bunch of other people had worked on this movie together. But specifically, uh, Gavin O'Connor and Ben Affleck. Then Ben Affleck was having a lot of trouble... He checked himself into rehab, and this movie was on hiatus because, obviously, if your friend, I'm assuming they're friends, but, you know, if this guy you work with, you care about him getting better before being like, oh, we got to finish this movie. Mm -hmm. And from the interviews I listened to and from, like, reading between the lines, it seems like, all right, he was doing the Suicide Squad thing. Ben Affleck's like, I'm getting out of rehab. Do you want to still do this movie? And he was like... Fuck it, let's do it. Like, this is the project we wanted to do. And to leave, like, again, I know DC hasn't had, like, the best run of it all the time, but to leave, like, a big blockbuster film with The Rock to do, like, such a personal project, you know it had to mean something to him. And I think that shows so much in the work here. Yeah, for sure. And I think that this is also another reason you do that is because when you make a massive studio movie like that, you're just sort of almost like a, a figurehead. Like mm-hmm. the studio is making the movie. You're just kind of there to make sure the, sh- the ship stays afloat. But here, and I don't know the backstory, it feels like he probably had much more say in what actually made it to the screen, right? In terms of what they shot, what they edited and so on and so forth. And so I think that's another real yeah. tangible benefit of doing a smaller movie, you know, rather than a $200 million with all the expectations and all the pressure in the world. Like, because if, to the same point, like if Suicide Squad was in theater, like it just, it almost benefits this movie more than like the Suicide Squad that it goes to, in a weird way that it goes to VOD. Mm-hmm. Cause it kind of feels like this is the kind of movie that you want to watch at home as opposed to like the, the bigger, and I, I, I don't want to say it as in terms of like that the only movie you should see on the big screen are like big budget blockbustery action movies or whatever, but it feels like the superhero movies were kind of, I mean, we're at that point already, but it feels like we're, kind of entering a point where those are the only movies you can see in theaters and like movies like this i hope they don't get lost but you know they kind of feel like they belong on the smaller screen yeah and not to go off on on a tangent it'll be quick but you know i brought up alamo before i think we can like reposition theaters to do more of that because it's sometimes cool to like watch this here but if i found out there was like a basketball marathon happening at a local theater and there was like three or four basketball films in a row i'm so down with that because there's more of an atmosphere Mm -hmm. to like when like-minded people are going to see movies like that so you bring up a lot of good points with that and i think maybe we're just gonna have to rethink the reason we go to the theater and we keep saying silver lining and that might be a bad term for this but i definitely i'm definitely on board with what you're saying back to ben affleck quickly He saw this role, like, it was so important to him to do this. He saw it as therapy. He, uh, like I said, he just had gotten out of rehab, and it was so personal to him. And and the director 
kind of let him run with certain scenes. There's a couple scenes, um, particularly the one where they're at the cemetery, that he kind of just, like, let Ben Affleck and the actress who was working with him there, like, they just let him do his thing. And, like, you know, in the first take, he was, like, crying real tears and just emotional. And you just love when you see these, like, actor-director collaborations where they just let each other do what they do best. And, like I said, I mean, like, you could tell that this is a personal journey for him in this movie. I don't need this background information to enjoy this movie, but... I watched the movie, then I read this stuff, and I'm like, holy shit, like, that makes it so much more powerful, too. I think not only the alcoholism side of this and, you know, you saying that he just gotten out of rehab, but I also think that, like, I read, I remember reading a thing, like, a month ago, or seeing a headline a month ago, that, like, he called the his divorce from Jennifer Garner, like, the biggest regret of his life, and I feel like there's something really palpable there, too, mm. right? Like, where it's, he, in this movie, and I guess we, we can mention that, like, here, this is, I think an example of like what the movie does really well and what the movie kind of just resorts to cliches that we find out that like he and his wife had separated. Like, I feel like that's a, such a natural way that his sister played by Michaela Watkins, whom I adore. Uh, <laughs> she's mentioning, you know, this woman. And then we find that, you know, drunkenly he leaves her a voicemail, like when we were married and that's a little bit on the nose, but I also felt like it was very natural, a nice way to say, Hey, there's some more baggage that this guy has. Like, here's maybe why he was drinking. Right. And then we find out later that like he had, a kid with cancer who, who passed away because mm-hmm. they go to like we don't really know why they go to this kid's birthday party and like he's a cancer survivor he's in remission and whatever and then you find out that they had a kid and like it makes the earlier scene where he's talking to the father who recruits the father of the, like, the, the priest the minister or whatever mm-hmm. who recruits him to the team like he's like do you have any kids and ben affleck just says no and then we find out later and like you 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 really feel all the internalized grief and then i feel like where it goes from there kind of just resorts to cliches or whatever but i feel like the build-up like the way that the movie introduces all that is so wonderful and i don't want to ascribe extra meaning here or whatever but like i think him regretting giving up a family or losing a family or however you want to say it I think that plays in here too because like he's so close like he his wife is right there like he's in a car with her he's at a birthday party with her and yet he knows he can never get her back and I feel like there's real honesty and raw emotion there in a way that just feels genuine and I think that's what really is able to elevate this from just being like a oh yeah it's where he's a drunk basketball coach or whatever to something like much more of a an in-depth character study yeah not to like get ahead of ourselves but i mean those are great points this might be the film that maybe like takes him to a different stratosphere perhaps uh i I saw a reviewer compare this to robert Downey jr in kiss kiss bang bang and mickey rourke in the wrestler like just such personal roles that kind of you know I don't know. I don't want to use the cliche of like bring them back, but yeah, I don't know. You know, it's possible here. A couple other things with him. He really stressed in like this. Again, he did a press tour that was like unbelievable before this. He was on like everything to promote this film. That's how much, you know, he felt like he cared about this, this project. But he would always say that one of the biggest reasons that he wanted to do this was to get back to acting that he had almost considered himself a filmmaker and not an actor so much. And he missed just like really digging into a role. So, you know, he kind of partnered with someone he trusted from a previous film and, and he knew this guy, he knew this character well, and he's like, I want to focus on acting. And it also seemed like he loved working with these young actors as well. In, in these press junkets, most of the time he would be 
like it would be him and two of the younger actors with him. Again, we might be or I might be ascribing too much into some of these things, but it seemed like he's like, I want to take these guys under my wing and show them what a press junket is like. Because mm-hmm. they didn't say much in these things, but he would always talk about them and talk how great it was to work with them. And I don't know, there's something so beautiful about that. And these young actors are so good. And I feel like as I was watching this movie, because I haven't really been on the podcast since you added the awards at the end, mm-hmm. you know, like the Waterson Award and everything like that. And I feel like not only are these actors all well cast as actors, but they all look the part. And I kind of want more of each of them, but I also totally understand why we don't get more of them. Like, as I'm watching this, I'm trying to figure out who I would nominate for these awards at the end of the episode. And I don't know that I have answers, because I feel like everyone here is so good. And I wonder if that's just because they hired the right guys, they found the right actors, or if it's because of the influence that Ben Affleck brought, or both. Yeah, I mean, I had the same problem. Like, this might be one of the films that we just don't have answers to. Who knows? Maybe as we talk about it, we'll we'll come up with someone or something, but I think you might be right on that one. And I think that like it's it's something that the older movies that you cover, I think you're going to have an easier time finding answers. But I think newer movies just generally do a better job of casting people who look the parts. And, you know, it's not always, like I think when you did the To All the Boys sequel, I think you still had pretty good answers in terms of people who don't exactly look like mm-hmm. they're high schoolers. But I think, especially in a movie like this where it's striving for realism, I think it would really serve the project poorly if they're like, oh yeah, like look at this kid, he's like, he's 25 years old, but like, he's a good actor. Like, it, it feels like these kids are just all, like, it almost feels like this is a basketball team that already existed, that they just dropped Ben Affleck into and they just yeah. filmed for a while. Exactly. Uh, that was in my notes as well. So the the actors who play the kids are largely unknowns and that works perfectly here for me i don't want to see like a young channing tatum as a basketball player you know or like a like a rising star who i kind of know from certain things that's distracting sometimes it works in films i'm not saying it's always the way to go but you know you hit the nail on the head it felt like he was actually coaching this real basketball team because they seemed like real high school kids who would be on a basketball team yeah they had their quirks some of them were a little wackier than others and we'll talk about that but it wasn't like so far removed from like what an actual high school student would be like like again i'm gonna go back to teen wolf but like the chubby kid on this team yes he's called like chubs or chubs yeah but he's not nearly like as out of shape as the chubby kid on the teen wolf team you know and that guy you know they look the part, and oh, it was it's so good. Now, I'll ask you off the bat. Was there any of them who, and if you don't remember their names, that's fine. It's a new movie. Did any of them, like, stand out to you as, like, you know, with their performances or their characters? I mean, I think the two that really, the two that they pay the most attention to, I think, the point guard, which I think is Brandon, I mm-hmm. think, right? Yeah. And then the guy who plays, like, the sort of undersized center. I mean, he's still taller, but I guess his name was he Marcus, I think? Those two guys, I think because they play a little, they give them a little bit more screen time, I think that they are both really good in this part, in these parts, in this movie. And I feel like I want a little bit more, but I, I think what they're setting up, it's like the angry, emotional kid who, you know, doesn't fit in with the coach and leaves the team and then comes back, or the kid whose parents don't really want him to play ball or whatever. Like, those are, again, very cliche-heavy, but I think because they don't dive too deep, I think you get away with it. And I think because it feels realistic and it feels earned and because they sell it so well. And I would want to see more, but I feel like if we see more of each of those or either of those or whatever, I think then it even more so points out that, like, oh, right, we've seen this in literally every sports movie. Yeah, I mean... 
This movie's very three-dimensional. This is the story we're seeing, but you could easily pivot the cameras to get that cliche sports film if you really wanted. It's almost existing off-camera a lot of the times. Spoiler alert, but we don't even really see him lead the team to into the playoffs. And we don't see those games either. We see a little bit. It's just clearly the story of this coach and, and not the players. And... In, in previous films, that's, like, bothered me here. I'm totally fine with that because I think it makes a better movie. Maybe not a better high school film, but a better film overall. So I agree with you completely. And and just want to clarify that Brandon is played by an actor named Brandon Wilson. So that's mm-hmm. good for him. And uh, Marcus is played by an actor named Melvin Gregg. So I do want to bring this character up because he... he he did make me laugh a bunch. Uh, the character of Kenny, who might be the most like tropey, silly character here, but that's fine. Like again, this is such a heavy movie that I needed a laugh from time to time. Did you remember that character? He was like always telling the girls he was going to make a shot for them. He's got the three girlfriends who are all best friends, and they don't all know that they're somehow <laughs> like they're that they're all dating the same guy. Funny story, and again, it's not my story to tell, but like that actually happened with my cousin in high school. I gotta get his yearbook. He was With dating pumpkin? No, not pumpkin, another cousin of mine. He he was dating two girls his senior year and they were friends and both of them just thought that he was just really close friends with the other one until guess this is scumbag moves, I get that. But until the yearbook came out and both of them put like ads for him, like Oh, uh oh. And yeah, so it's safe to say the relationships ended after that. So, I mean, th- these are really things that happen, and I know they play it silly. But I just want to give a shout-out to Will Rope or Will Rop. How do you think that's pronounced? R-O-P-P. Probably Rop. Will Rop, because I posted the um, teaser for this yesterday on Instagram, and he actually replied. He said, thanks for the support. So, thank you for the support, Will Rop. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like he's one of the better players on the team too. Like I think what's nice about the the, the movie in two regards here is that number one, everybody kind of has their defined roles, and they're not you know the, the point guard is the one who's going to go on like he's the one that if this was hoop dreams he's the one that they would be about right because mm-hmm. it's like he's the one getting scholarships he's the one getting their national attention he's the one with the complicated family life or whatever. There's the center who's like out of place he's trying to be one thing he's not you got this kid who's just probably just having fun but he's also like a good outside shooter you got bobby freeze which is a great name as like the sixth man the energy off the bench yeah I love like it. everybody has their defined roles you got chubbs doing whatever chubbs is doing and what i like about the introductions to each of these characters is that when ben affleck because we're seeing the movie through his eyes and we don't know anybody he doesn't know anybody and he goes to the gym and he meets al madrigal who's great as the assistant coach oh yeah i love he's that just guy. introducing everybody he's like this kid can't shoot but he plays defense this kid blah 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 and you get like a one sentence kind of thing and that's kind of all you need to know about them and i think that works like the simple like oh he's not like we don't need to worry about him but he's got a part to play on the team and in the movie i could watch that like scene over and over again where he's just like uh, telling him about all the other players on the team. Like, it's just awesome. Who else have we not mentioned from the cast? The wife is played by the woman who plays Shiva in the league, so she's got a sports pedigree as well. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Jania Gavinkar. Yeah, I thought she was great or as Gavankar, well. Gavinkar, yeah. Cool cast, not like a 
big name cast, but a lot of the adults were like recognizable. Where do I know Al Madrigal from? So he was a, a reporter. He was a uh, correspondent on The Daily Show for a while. He also had a, he's a stand up comedian. He had a special called Shrimp and Ain't Easy. Um, I've met him in real life once. He was very, very nice. Awesome. I don't know. I think you'd probably best know him from his time on The Daily Show. I mean, I've definitely seen him before. And again, I think he's I think he's great in this. Oh, and there's one other guy that I noticed, and I think I think it was that, but the dad from the Wonder Years was one of the Barflies. Did you see him? <laughs> what? I oh, think. I, I think. Up. It might not be him. It might be hair blindness. <laughs> Wonder Years dad. Oh, Dan Loria. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. He's on the cash sheet as Jerry yeah, he, Norris. Yeah, he was in, like, one scene. I saw him, like, just, he was, like, catch. laughing. He's one of the drunks that was laughing at the bar at hearing Ben Affleck's stories. Good catch. Wow. <laughs> you know, in, in regards to that, like, there's one thing that I wish we got a little bit more of, and I wish that we knew the the elderly black man who helps Ben Affleck, ho- like, stumble home each night, right? Yeah. Like, I think by the end of the movie, we get the fact that, like, he just knew his dad and he, like, did the same thing for his dad because his dad was also a drunk or whatever, like, Ben Affleck's dad. But, like, I kind of was thinking that maybe he was Ben Affleck's, like, former basketball coach and that he's still looking after him. But, like, I don't think we get, like, that's, it feels like there's an opportunity there to, like, develop that relationship. But but it's just like, oh, he's just like a good Samaritan who's around the bar. It just felt like we, we were missing something there. And even if he wasn't his official coach, I, I like that um, comparison because he kind of was his coach in those moments. So, yeah, sure. I mean, that is cool. One thing I wanted to mention that <laughs> this movie kind of reminded me of Hoosiers, which we just did in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not like of the same vein, but Mike Manzi, who was on that episode, really didn't like Dennis Hopper's performance as the drunk his Oscar-nominated performance, I should mention, as the drunk in that film. I'm very curious to see what he would think about Ben Affleck's performance here because, again, I'm using the drunk air quotes. I know that's like not the appropriate thing to say. But I thought that it was a pretty, from what I know, realistic portrayal of alcohol, alcoholism in this film. And, you know, and it was a little less sticky because I saw some things in this film that I guess I'd never really seen on screen in terms of like alcoholism. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like, I know he was stumbling out of bars and stuff, but right. one of the most, believe there's it or not. one scene. I think you're, you're probably gonna talk about that one scene. I'm guessing. Well, there's that one at the end. That's really crazy. But no, I was saying like there, there was one that's like really simple kind of at the beginning where he's debating whether he should take the job and he keeps. Putting, yes, that's what okay. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he keeps putting the beer in the freezer like one after the other, one after the other. And he's got like a like almost he like drinks a drinks an entire 30 by himself. Yeah. That night. Yeah. And I was like, holy like shit. Wow. That's like. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> alcoholism on camera can be tropey. And I think there are certain times that you kind of have to fall into tropes. But like I said, they showed me so many more different things in this that it really, really made this stand out. Um, Were there any uh, other scenes early on that really uh, stuck out to you? No, I think the introduction of the kids was great. I think that scene where he's mulling over with the 30 was great. I think what's nice about this is it's sort of a simple story. It's just a character thing. And I think that there's not really scenes as much as just the character arc that Ben Affleck's character goes through that I think just works so well. Yeah. If you look at my notes, there's a lot of things where I was questioning it and then it gets paid off later. Yeah. And you mentioned some of them like, oh, okay, he's got an ex-wife. Like he, oh, he doesn't have any kids. He just must be like a, like a drifter scumbag, you know? <laughs> like His sister's so mean to him. Like what the fuck is up with that? And then... 
it starts coloring itself in where I, I can't really comment on these things anymore because I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, get it. Like, one of the things I had a question, like, why would she want to go to a birthday party with her ex-husband who she just said right. she's dating someone else? Like, that's so stupid. Like, they're just trying to build drama here. And then I'm like, oh, they had yeah. a child together. They still go to these support things as hard as that is. And that was, you know, so heartbreaking. But, yeah, so, again, a lot of my early notes are, like, kind of invalidated. I did write down... Uh, they refer to him as White Shadow at one point, and I don't know if you're familiar with this TV show White Shadow, Joey, but it, it was no. a great show from the 70s about an ex-NBA player. He, he gets injured, and he ends up coaching a basketball team in the inner cities. Okay. Now, it's still like led by a white man, so I'm not going to like say it's super progressive, but it's progressive in a sense that it's, it's the first show on TV to have a majority black cast, Okay. Uh, which was the the kids. Like, if I was doing TV shows... Who knows, maybe when I graduate, <laughs> or when we graduate, I'll start on TV shows, because that'll take a while. But this is a show I would definitely do. I highly recommend it. And there's a little connection for from your favorite baseball team here, because I first got into this show, because when the Yes Network debuted, they didn't have a lot of programming, and they must have just bought the syndication rights of The White Shadow, and they would just run it in the day. So I would spend the summers watching two or three you know, episodes at a time, and... Again, that's a show that, like, if you have time, definitely check it out because it's so ahead of its time. So I just liked how they threw that line in there. You know, through the introduction of these actors and characters, we kind of pretty much set this entire film up. So just, you know, any other uh, scenes in this film that really stuck out at you then? As cliche as it kind of approaches and sort of hits... But the game where they make it into the playoffs is really, really well done. And I think what this movie does well is that it's believable that like this team that's one and nine or whatever when he takes it over, maybe one and seven, they lose a couple games while he's the coach, like doesn't oversell. Like it's not like he takes this last place team and wins a championship with it, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, we're gonna make the play. Like he, they, they make the playoffs, which is still a huge accomplishment and still maybe maybe a little unbelievable but at the same time it feels earned and it feels achievable it's not like oh wow uh this team that was in last place is now state champions and like the fact that he gets like you kind of need a way either they're gonna lose or he's gonna leave the team or whatever and i wasn't sure how it's gonna shake out eventually he gets kicked off the team or asked to leave because he's drinking shows up drunk whatever but like i think the movie does a good job of not overextending the overextending the cliche if that's a way that you want to say Mm -hmm. it like it's not like from last to first and world like they're just like hey we're good enough and like you can sort of see that this is going to be it's like the first domino in a series where maybe like next year they go further and they get more kids to try out they don't have to call people from jv and like maybe al magical takes the team over and whatever and like he's there and he does his thing and then what i really liked beautifully was at the very end like i don't know and i didn't really pay attention to it until the, the, the end scene but you know, Ben Affleck's saying that, you know, he has a conversation with the point guard about how he quit playing basketball because his dad, who never paid attention to him, started caring so much when he was good at basketball, didn't take a scholarship as an F.U. to his dad, right? And he's like, I basically haven't picked up a basketball in 25 years. And then finally, at the very end, and it's again kind of hokey, kind of a little bit cheesy, but I like that he goes out to the beach and just starts playing basketball. Like, he's kind of conquered his own demon, and while it's cheesy, while it's corny, while it's kind of predictable it pays off in a nice way that not only did he set the team on the right trajectory, but he also kind of righted his own ship. And I feel as cathartic as it is to see him in therapy at the end, 
I feel like that's kind of a little cliche. Like, I don't know if I need that. Like, it just feels like, okay, yeah, like, that's where he's going to wind up. Like, I kind of almost rather not see that. But I do like the moment of him playing basketball by himself. Like, you know, I'm returning to who I once was. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. It's cliche, but I needed it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I-, I needed it. it. It was so good. And just to piggyback on what you're saying in terms of this kind of worst to, not first, but to making the playoffs, I liked how it felt, again, uh, uh, something it says in this film as well it felt earned because he was intelligent and he was giving them strategy that made actual sense if you know basketball you know all right come on guys let's go we got 15 seconds left we're gonna go on eight gives us time for a rebound or a tip in brandon 20 is gonna pick you up full court all right freeze you're gonna come up set a ball screen for brandon brandon you roll around to the right garcia come up set a back screen for kenny kenny come out to the wing for the three that way we got three options Brandon attacking right. We'll look for freeze coming off the screen. If neither of those are there, go to Kenny for the three in the corner. You got this, okay? No, don't just nod. I want to hear your voice. Yes or no? Yes, coach. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. like, again, I keep leaning on these films, but it wasn't just like, you know, they have a a magical wolf player now and he's dunking over everyone, you know? Right. It's... Like, okay, we're smaller than every other team. We have to play differently. We have to hustle and outwork everyone. He has a great line. Um, I think I wrote it down. It's like, I don't care how much we win. It's something like that. Like, I don't care how much we win, but we're not going to be outworked. Yeah. You know, that's his like mind. That, that was a whole beautiful speech, like, where he's just like, like, just throw, like, he goes over your back, like, throw an elbow. Like, if you do this, like, you want to, like, and then like, we immediately see, you know, Bobby Freeze, like, clearly flagrant foul, like, their best <laughs> player. And it's like, oh, that, that maybe wasn't exactly the right lesson, but it's also, like, almost exactly the right lesson. But yeah, man, like, that, that whole speech that he gives, where he's basically just like, we're not going to let them just, you know, embarrass us. Like, we can lose. I don't mind losing, but I'm not going to let you just give up on me. And it, it was just, an ama- it was amazing to see just because the fire, and like, the, there's the whole thing, like, the team chaplain who's like, you know, I, I'd rather, I'd really rather you didn't curse so much, but, like, that's what's working. Like, that's what's motivating these kids. I'm glad you brought up, like, the chaplain and stuff. Um, I, I went to a public school, but mm-hmm. I went to a Catholic college where basketball is pretty big, St. John's. At a lot of these Catholic schools, football can be big, but basketball, especially in college, I'll say, like basketball is huge, and they pay a lot of attention to it. I kind of hypothesize, and this is only from what I've seen from St. John's, because I've been a fan since I was a kid. Sadly, that's probably the reason why I went there. It's like, I always say this to people, like if the Mets had a college, I would have gone to Mets College, you know? Of course, yeah. <laughs> I was a St. John's basketball fan. I'm like, fuck it, of course I'm going there because I like the team. <laughs> Which is the, you know, you shouldn't choose college based on that. But regardless, right. I, I digress. I know from, like, people I kind of know who went there and people who were even on the team that I knew. Back in, like, the 80s when they were really winning, they kind of, uh, like, the priests <laughs> were we're kind of the most ruthless in terms of like, we need to win. Let's do whatever it takes, you know, the team chaplain and the team president. But the world has changed since then. And I know when I went and probably even more now, you know, they wanted to win, of course, but fair play and code of conduct, those things became, I think they were always there, but they were more overlooked back then. I kind of hypothesize that when he went, it was just kind of like they were more focused on winning and maybe they overlooked even some of his behavior in school. I mean, yeah, like when things are going well, it's easy to look the other way, right? But like when your team is one and nine and you're like, F this, F this, 
chicken <laughs> shit, all this different stuff. It's just like, hey, guy, like, you know, we're not winning and you're setting a bad example. Yes. Like, you, you, something's got to change. And I did actually like that. We have rarely done films of this that are, like, of Catholic schools. So it was, like, kind of cool to see. And I know we don't see too much of, like, between the lockers in this movie. But it was cool to see that because, at least in the United States, a lot of kids go to Catholic school. And so, you know, it, it was just cool to see. Yeah. A couple other... You know, things I had in my notes that, that you alluded to as well. I, I do like how we get told the whole, his, or he tells this whole story of, of, you know, getting that scholarship to Kansas and, and and then end up quitting. It's just, it kind of validates him so much. And so much of his, like, we don't get a, a flashback, which is great, I think. We don't, like, see him in school playing well. We You know, we see his jersey up and that, and stuff like that. And that's almost enough. Like that, this is literally the school's like glory moment, his glory moment. It's so yeah. weird. It must be so weird to be him. But then, as he coaches, you just realize what made him a good player. He might not have been the most talented player on the floor. He might have been just the hardest working player on the floor. It certainly seems that way, right? Or just maybe even the most intelligent player on the floor, because. He knows his basketball. He says he hasn't even been paying attention, and he, he knows his basketball. And doesn't come across as phony. And God, God, I love it so much. Look, we're not going to make it all back in one possession. you got to just keep chipping away and chipping away. Take it to the rack. Let's go, Let's go, son. All right, up, up, up. D up, D up. Let's go. Get your man, get your man. Get up in their faces. Get in their face. Bobby, Bobby, watch this guy. Watch this. Let's get trapped. Oh, yeah. 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 Time out. Time out. Time out. Keep pressing. Traffic. Taking charges. Make our lack of size an advantage. He's six inches shorter than you. How does he make that shot? That's it. Beautiful. And I don't know if this actually has to do with what you're saying, but like it reminded me that right now on The Athletic, uh, this writer Joe Posnanski is counting down the 100 best baseball players in history. And it's supposed to coincide with opening day. And then because baseball has postponed or whatever its season, you know, he's, he's slowing it down a little bit. But they talk about Onus Wagner, team bringing in Onus Wagner to like teach a kid how to play shortstop. And he's just like, all you got to do is just get to the ball and then like throw it to first base before, get the, before the runner gets there. And it's like, well, that. Yeah, like that's yes, but like how, like what's that supposed to mean? And like, how do you get like one of the greatest shortstop to ever play the game? Like when it's something comes so naturally to you, like it's hard to, it's sometimes hard to teach that. But I feel like here it feels like Jack, the Ben Affleck character, had such natural talent. But what I also like about it is that he just, it, it is about the little things. Like it's, there are things that he can communicate that he can teach. And like they're fundamental and they're tangible in a way that I feel like most sports movies aren't. And I think that's what kind of makes it work well. It's not like the Mighty Ducks, no offense to the Mighty Ducks, which is like, hey, we'll just get in the shape of a V and like it just wins. <laughs> and like it's not real. But like here, it's like, oh, yeah, you can throw elbows and you can do this and like you can, you know, full court press and you can half court trap and you can do this and you can do that and like it feels oh like these are things that other kids like these kids might not be good but they're also playing against other high school kids right so it's like if you're bringing actual core fundamentals you're like conditioning you're doing all this stuff it feels earned and like he's a good teacher in that way and i really appreciated that yeah uh you know two things that you said there really like stuck out at me the the hannes wagner thing is something i wrote on here not specifically that example but I hate it, like, when I find out that 
you know, I don't want to talk about Mets and Carlos Beltran, which I, I was in favor of because Carlos Beltran was a different kind of player. Regardless, I don't want to talk about that. But um, <laughs> I dislike when I learn that a team hired its best player to be the coach or general manager. Look, sometimes it works out. John Elway won a Super Bowl as general manager. Mm-hmm. But often you see, like, I mean, Wayne Gretzky coached the Coyotes for a little bit, and he wasn't, like, that great. Some of the best players aren't the best teachers because it just came naturally to them. And it doesn't mean they weren't hardworking, but they didn't have to do certain things that maybe someone who was a B had to do to get to an A instead. And Ben Affleck's character here strikes me as someone who was a B who had to get to an A, not just a natural A, because he is able to teach that and he is able to read a basketball court. I don't know. Does it say what position he played? I mean, it certainly seems like he played point guard because he he knows it, you know? I mean, there's the one photo of him in that, like, shrine where he, like, won the back-to-back player of the year or whatever, and then he's, like, taking an outside shot. So he looks like probably a guard or a wing of some kind. Like, he, you know, he's big, but he's not, he's not huge, right? Like, he's not, like, a power forward center kind of guy, but I would say, you know, a one, two, or a three, probably, a guard or a wing. You know, you see, maybe not so much now, but in baseball, you see a lot of catchers become managers. Yes, I was just thinking that, yeah. Uh, And you used to see a lot of point guards become coaches in basketball, so, you know, it's so intelligent, and it just, it makes so much sense. I'm like, you need to understand the game, right? Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not about, I mean, talent can make you the best of all time, but, like, you need to understand why you're doing things and how to do things, and it's in those kind of ways here that like it works really well. You get a sense too that that uh, the coach they end up you know, the asshole they literally call him the asshole coach who they end up uh, beating at the end that he might be more of a recruiter than an X's and O's guy. Like he even kind of says it. I forgot the exact line he says. Like they're like good luck. He's like I don't need luck. I'd rather take the thoroughbreds. I believe is what he says. And, right. and I, I again maybe I'm coloring in too much. I get a sense that he just tries to get the best players possible to his team and just relies on talent and in basketball that will take you far but occasionally you get an x's and o's team that can just outwork the other team reminds me of like when butler went to -to back-to-back final fours now they had gordon hayward and i'm assuming they didn't have good players but this team had good players too it just i don't know as a sports fan i really dug it i'll just put it that way i will tell a story this is not a high school story this is a uh, elementary school story but there was you know how like i'm sure this is true everywhere but like when you play organization like rec league baseball or little league like little mm-hmm. league baseball or rec league basketball or whatever like there's always the popular kids who are always the good athletes because those are the kids who are most popular and like all their they're all friends and their dads are all friends and it always seems like in every league you play there's one team that just like Oh, they have all the best players. Like I don't know how that happened, but like <laughs> it's they're so just true. like all friends. Are like, oh yeah, my kids like we're gonna carpool together. Like let's just whatever. And so I remember in third grade there was a team like that. We're like, well shit. Like what? Like what are we supposed to do here, right? And I was on a team that was basically to your point, like the X's and O's team. And I don't know. It's probably building up legend in my in my brain because it just was <laughs> so. It's like the highlight, the peak of my athletic career came when I was like eight or nine or whatever. <laughs> But, like, we were on the second-best team, and we had two pitchers who were both assholes, but they were both so good. Like, one game, literally, there was we played six-inning six inning baseball, and they literally struck out all 18 betters. Like, oh, my God. We, we, had, we did nothing in the field. Like, they just, like, because there was a three-inning limit per pitcher, and each of them struck out all nine guys they faced. We're just like, like, there's no—you couldn't do anything. Wow. And I remember— <laughs> 
one time we played against the best team. And, you know, like in Little League, like kids are good, kids are bad. Like it's usually like a mess of a game. Like I still remember, again, this is me building up the history in my brain and the mythology of it. But like we won two to one. And I remember like hearing adults say like, oh, this is like a really good game. Like, it's not just like a Little League game. Like, this is actually like a really good game. And I remember at the very end of the year, like when they did like the trophy presentation or whatever, like both of our teams got like the big trophies because I think that in my head, I was like, oh, that team was never going to not get a trophy. Like, we were the best team. Like, we were the ones like at the end here that have the kid who's like dunking on everyone, right? But like, we're the team that beat them. So like, we need to get recognized, but they still need to get there. Like, hey, we're the best. And I think that, there's the X's and O's against the all-star talent. And sometimes to your point, the X's and O's wins. And it's, it's like the underdog story that like shouldn't be an underdog story because like you're doing everything right. Yeah. I mean, just to go back, it's kind of like, you know, the 1980 U S hockey team in miracle, you know, (laughs) it's similar in that way. Again, very different movies, but you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, One other thing I wrote down, (laughs) I knew something was going to happen too in this film that was going to get really dark because they have that heroic moment where they get into the playoffs and I'm like, wait a minute, there's like 30 minutes left of this film. Like they're not going to be like, let's just to have these moments again and go to the championship, you know? And then it really does become a lot of, like, the, just the Ben Affleck story in terms of, you know, he really hits rock bottom. You know, first it's that one of their friend's kids dies, and you know, obviously yep. there's nothing the kid, more... The birthday party kid. Yeah, and there's nothing more tragic than that. And he just, understandably so, I'm not saying all his actions are understandable, but, like, he just loses it at that point. He shows right. up to practice drunk when he's already been like warned about that. He ends up getting uh, fired, which is it's a really hard scene to watch because you know like this has become everything to him, and you know he knows he blew it. I loved how he didn't like quote unquote take it like a man either. Like he wasn't like okay, I understand what I did. He he pleads with them like he and yeah, there were some cliche moments. That was a more realistic response to someone telling you, hey, get get the hell out of here. You know, you fucked up. Yeah. And, you know, and then he really hits rock bottom when he, you know, drinks and drives, goes home with a girl. I mean, hits a boat and enters the <laughs> wrong home. Jesus Christ. Which I feel like is the kind of thing that you see in every movie. Like, oh, I'm in the wrong house. Like, cool. I, I feel like for the first three quarters of this movie, I loved almost all of it. And then when it's like, okay, we need to get him, we need to see him hit rock bottom. It felt like there was nothing new there. And I don't know if you felt that same way, but it was like... This movie felt so fresh, like, even though it's by the book and it's the kind of movie you expect, like, it felt fresh in a way, and then it was just like, oh, no, like, we're just going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. Yeah, I felt a little of that, but I was kind of afraid, if, if that makes sense, that for some reason they would let him coach the team again or we'd see that, you know, like, where the kids, I thought there might be a scene where the kids are like, we're not playing unless he is our coach. You know, and then they like he shows that he does a quick cleanup and he coaches them again. Right. And I think that would have been like the super cliche. I'm glad it didn't go there, but I'm so glad they still acknowledged him because even though he was not the coach in that final game or wherever, whatever that was, the playoffs, that was his team. Yeah. What do they say? Like they say his name, like let's do it for the coach, you know, and oh. whereas, yes, I agree with you is starting to lean on cliches there. They didn't tie it up with like a big lovey duddy cliche. So I was cool with it. And, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's just the little things where, like, all movie long, he's been telling the point guard to, like, speak up and, you know, be a leader and everything. And then, like, the, the, the game where he's not there, like, it, everything it sets up, it pays off, but it just feels like, oh, we've seen this before. You know what I mean? Like, not that it's bad, but, like, 
it felt like this was like so much of this was just so close to being like a, a completely fresh original take and then it just the kind of story it's telling it's just like oh yeah i've seen this before not that it's bad but it just no. i kind of wanted a little bit more because i think that at the end of the day and when we get to the ratings i think we'll probably both wind up in the same spot where like it could have been an all-time great and i think it's just like instead it's just a really good solid strong movie anything else about the film you wanted to mention before we give some awards out and, and do our ratings no i think it's worth seeing i mean you know, if you like sports movies, if you like, if you're in the mood for like a strong, good drama, like I feel what's nice about, coincidentally, what's nice about all these movies that are on VOD is that like a lot of them now are pretty good. Like This is Pretty Good, Emma's Pretty Good, Onward's Pretty Good, Birds of Prey is Pretty Good, Invisible Man is great. Like there's a really strong crop of movies out there that as you're home looking for things to do, you could do a lot worse than what's out there. And I would say, if you have the money, if you think that you're going to like this kind of movie, buy it. Like, wor- like it's worth ponying up for. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. So we kind of talked about this earlier, but first is the Wooderson Award, or sometimes the Wooderson Spicoli Award. It's for a character who you would have liked to see more of. Anyone here? I know you mentioned the kids, but that might have like changed the film a bit. Like, Was there really anyone after you talked about it? I mean, I love Michaela Watkins. I would have loved to have seen more of her. I don't know how you work her in. I think the way that you work in the family is just by the end, right? Because they're like, you know, he's more of a family man. There's that scene at breakfast where I think his nephew is like his biggest fan, like sort sort of out of nowhere, which is like, oh, where'd this where'd this kid come from? Yeah, like, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> but like, I I like that element of it. I think the family is good. I don't know how you fit it in because the point is that he has kind of ostracized them, right? Like, it's like, oh, this is you know whatever. I don't know. Um, I think that this works really well because I think the type of movie that it is, it's like 80% or 90% or more Ben Affleck, right? Like, it's just like, this is his story and it tells his story. And like, adding anything else in there kind of takes away from that. So I don't know that there really is a Spicoli. No, yeah. I don't think that there's like a, in the truest sense uh, for that category here. Again, this is Ben Affleck and a bunch of cursing. (laughs) But it doesn't feel out of place. You know, like oh, it. that that's actually you, I'm glad you brought that up because you were saying that like it, you know the guy who made Miracle made this movie and Miracle I think is the kind of movie that is it's not the kind of movie it is the movie that I watched in probably eight gym classes over my <laughs> high school career because like career whatever high school tenure because it's easy to watch there's nothing aggressive about it it's it's a Disney movie so it's like friendly but it's also like a good movie here. There's so much swearing that, like, you're not going to show this in like, – you might show it in, like, to your team, I think, like you, what you mentioned earlier. Yeah, but, but this is like not going to have the widespread, long-lasting – but it's not going for that, which I think is why it feels real. Mm-hmm. Like, if this was cleaned up just like, oh, you're crazy, ref, you're crazy, like, that's a bad call. Like, that doesn't feel genuine. Come on. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and I like how, like – there wasn't like almost he said he's working on it but there wasn't like a redemption moment where like he's about to say something then he like you know pierces his lips a bit and looks at like the, the priest and like mm, i call it myself you know like i like that 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 didn't happen because that would have no been yeah like, he's just like oh no i'm gonna run my mouth no matter what <laughs> and like to that end the game before the game where they beat i mean it's always going to be them against the best team in the league or whatever but the game right before that, like the good chance they have of winning in front of his whole family, he loses them that game because he gets a double technical and like, you know, they should have had the ball. And instead, the other team gets free throws and like they lose possession. Right. So it's like, oh, he single handedly kind of in that moment lost it for the team. And so with in that kind of cliche movie moment or whatever, it's like, uh, you know, I don't it, it wouldn't feel as earned or as genuine there. Yeah, no, I agree with that so much. 
Long Duck Dong Award. Character whose omission in the film might make things better, whether it be, again, for dated reasons. But this is 2020, so maybe not that. Or just like, why did they keep cutting to this guy? You know, is there anything in that here? I don't know that there is. Do you think? Not really. You know, not really. There's no real big fit here. I think, again, to the same point as the previous one, is that, like, because we're not cutting anywhere else, like, there's no one to remove, right? It's just, like, does that make sense? Like, it's just, yeah. like, because there's no one else that we, like, that we're not seeing about, because it is so heavily heavily Ben Affleck, we're not cutting anywhere else. Like, there's no one to remove in the same way that there's no one we, want, we really want to see more of, because it's not that kind of movie. You know what this movie didn't have? And a lot of films recently that I've been watching on this podcast, people have pointed out for this category. There was no, like, love interest that was thrown in there, like a, a woman who is cleaning up Ben Affleck's act. You know, yes, right. he has his ex-wife, but there's never a promise that they're going to get back together. I don't think there's any moment where anyone watching is like, maybe they'll be together, you know? Yeah, and like, and the woman and the woman that you mentioned earlier that he goes home with from the bar, like, that's very clearly like a one-night stand or yeah. like, at best, like a short-term fling. Like, they're not... You know, he doesn't. He doesn't care. He's just going to get laid or whatever, right? Like he's just or drunkenly try to have sex or whatever, right? So, yeah, there wasn't like a single mom of one of the players in the team who like you know, there's like kind of interest there. Like, and it's the first time I really thought of it. But I let, now that I'm thinking about that, I'm like, that's a good thing. So it's almost a reverse Long Duck Dong award. Like, thank you for not making an unnecessary yeah. character to just add some romance to the film. <laughs> One of the really nice things about this movie that I want to point out is that it's short. Like, it's an hour 45. Like, it's not overstuffed with, like, needless subplots, right? Like, it's just, like, this is the story of his beginning of his redemption and the lessons he teaches this, this team. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, you did it. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I couldn't agree more. And the team is able to stand out without us really having to explore their roles like i think mike and i when we talked about hoosiers besides for like the star on the team uh jimmy chitwood everyone else kind of blended in with each other and yeah now i know like some players on the team blended with each other but everyone they wanted us to see as different and care about i felt like they achieved that so you know bravo to them and I, and I think just to echo something you said before i don't think we're gonna have a winner for the cameron fry award either a high schooler who definitely doesn't seem like they should be in high school because of their age, right? Like, there was definitely no one. No, I think that the, the movie does a really good job of casting kids who look the part and act the part. Like, you know, at most you could say maybe the center is 20, but, like, even that's not crazy, right? Yeah, yeah no, there was, it wasn't like someone with a 5 o'clock shadow, you know? Right. <laughs> okay, so Rotten Tomatoes, 83% by the critics, 84% by the audience, so pretty, yeah. you know, consistent there. But Joey, we don't grade like that. We grade A plus to F minus, perhaps. Yeah. What will you give the way back? I'm going to give it a B. I was hovering in that range like the entire time until the end where I feel like it just relied too much on like what I thought it was going to be and I was hoping it was going to be like anything else. It was like teetering on that B plus, but I think it's a, it's a solid B. Like there's nothing bad about this. Like the only bad thing is that like it's kind of the movie you think it's going to be, but even that's not a bad thing. No, um, and I gave it a B plus, which again, you know, might as well be a B for, for the same reasons. I know Ben Affleck has not lived a perfect life. But almost like this character hasn't either. And I don't know Ben Affleck the person. I feel good for him as an artist, if that makes sense. Like, this makes me feel good for him. And hopefully he almost takes the lessons of this film. What did the therapist say? Something like, you can't change the past, but you can decide how you move forward. Something like that, right? Like, I, I hope that, you know, he's acknowledged he's not 
you know, done the greatest things in the past. But I hope that this is a moment where he's like, I like to make films like this. I want to make films like this. And I'm, you know, it, maybe it's too cliche to say I'm going to live my life like this. A quarter but, mile at a time. Yes, a quarter mile at a time. And this is his introduction to the Fast and Furious series. So <laughs> that would be interesting. The weird movie to ask this about, but what would your the way back sleeping bag look like i thought about this and there's one that i don't want to do but like the the beer can he's drinking from and i don't know what brand it is it's like it's so like simple like it would kind of make a really nice sleeping bag i don't want to do that though yeah i mean i i thought the same thing honestly but yeah you're right what kind of sleeping bag would i want for this movie i mean i guess just one like with basketballs on it right like just keep it simple yeah that or i was thinking even like bishop has has what is orange and like black so something along those lines. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Nothing like stood out to me. Uh, I was actually intrigued, and I kind of liked where they shot this. Apparently, it was in an area called San Pedro in Los Angeles, and of course, they shoot in LA all the time. But I feel like I haven't seen this part of LA on film a lot, so that was cool. Did they ever establish that it was LA? Because I wasn't sure where it was, and I saw the California license plate, and like by the end, you know, you're by the beach, and like it's kind of only could only be one real place, but like. I think it had a really kind of specific small town vibe without mm-hmm. ever actually establishing where it was. Maybe I missed it. I don't know. No, I feel like it's one of these things like you and I, if we went to the movies and saw like Hoboken on screen, we would be like, oh, that's Hoboken. But I don't think someone in Kansas is going to pick that right. out. I think maybe if you live in L.A., you might recognize. I don't get I don't know if it's a neighborhood or. It is somewhat suburban, so it might just be like a town right outside of it. Right. But, yeah, no, they didn't, like, establish, like, oh, the L.A. City Championships are coming, you know? Yeah. All-Valley Karate Tournament kind of thing. No, but, I mean, again, it was very clearly California, and a lot of the stuff, like like you said, license plates and the Guard of the Beach and and stuff like that. You know, I was wondering that since this is, like, the first of, at least for a short time, you know, these bonus Monday episodes, I'm wondering if instead of like a slumber party, this is kind of like in-school suspension, like <laughs> this is mandatory in-school. So maybe there's no sleeping bag. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. Maybe. I, uh, I'll have to come up with it. Uh, you know, we're going to have some tweaks for these Monday ones because you're right. It, it, it's not so much on brand, but whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out as we go along the way. Now, you know, maybe not a blockbuster this time because it's 2020, but uh, coronavirus edition here. You're sitting on your couch, Joey. Yeah. You're having a slumber party of one. But for some reason, you want to watch three movies tonight. Of course. One of them is The Way Back. What else are you renting VOD? Well, so I thought about this, and, you know, there's a lot of movies that are out there on VOD right now that I would recommend. I mentioned all those earlier. I do think that, the Invis- I mean, The Invisible Man is my favorite movie of the year so far, and you can get that now for 20 bucks. So I, I, wow. If you like horror, if you like action, if you like suspense, all that kind of stuff, check that one out. I think Elizabeth Moss is terrific in that. Though I have my, I have I've had my picks since I was watching the movie. So number one, not a great movie, not a not a good, not as good of a movie as this one is. But first up, Coach Carter, because it's Channing Tatum's first movie, the only <laughs> podcast that I've ever abandoned that Joe and I bailed on Magic Mike's because nobody cared and we wanted to do Too Fast Too Forever more often. But next year for more March Madness, if you come back to the basketball, well. It's a high school movie. It's a basketball movie. Samuel L. Jackson is great as the coach. It's a it's a really it's a good movie. Not a great movie, but a good movie. So I would say if you want to keep that basketball theme going, I, I don't know how to structure it because like you do that one first, and this one sort of it's like oh more basketball. But you do this one first, you're like well why are we watching this other one? But like just keep <laughs> it in the chamber. Just like maybe as a like maybe you're like oh I need more basketball. Do that one. Yeah, it might be like the third film. 
but you know. Yeah, but the other one, and I decided this is going to be my recommendation every single time until you do it, is Clueless. Just get Clueless because it's the best high school movie, and please cover Clueless. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. But I know it is, but still, it's got to happen soon. Now that you're doing two a week, like every every episode that passes without you, and I don't want I don't want to be on your Clueless episode because I've already talked about Clueless. We already covered it on Cinemakers with Kara on the Amy Heckerling run. I don't want to be back for that. I just want you to gush over it the way that we gushed over it. (laughs) I will. I will. Don't worry. It's coming. So you know, these are interesting times. You kind of alluded to the fact that you're doing more stuff on Too Fast, Too Forever. Yeah. Do you, you want to officially plug that and whatever else you want to plug, Joey? Well, you know, Fridays are for fun. I guess Mondays are for fun now, too. I don't know what you're going to do for, <laughs> for this tagline. But yeah, so now Fridays are even more so for fun because we are doing a bonus Too Fast, Too Forever every Friday, at least for a month, until basically until sports comes back, I think. Because Joe has literally nothing else to watch. So he's like, when when Joe is up to do more work, you know, and podcasting, if you want to consider it work, <laughs> like, you know that he's bored. And so we're doing a bonus episode of Too Fast, Too Forever every Friday. So that means every Tuesday and every Friday, there's one of those. And then every Friday, Mike and I do the Tom Tom Club. We alternated Tom Cruise with Tom Hanks movies. So I think this upcoming Friday, we are doing... Road to Perdition with your podcasting partner, Kyle Reinfried, is going to be on that episode. And then this past Friday, as just came out, was Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which is probably, at least to date so far, Tom Cruise's best movie. Wow. Awesome. So, you know, big things happening on the podcast network and, yeah. you know, always happy to be a part of the team. I mean, I had a blast at the live show. Now you got all out there, hopefully did your homework and listened to it. But uh, thank you for, what, what did uh, they call it again? Something the the hundredth. When oh, it's breaking off a new hundo. Oh, breaking off a new hundo. Yes, thank you for breaking off a new hundo with me. <laughs> really, really appreciate it. And who knows, you might be back on sooner than later. I got some ideas, but uh, thank you again so much. Oh thank wait, you. did did you say where they they can follow you, or maybe you don't care? Uh, you can just go to cageclub.me/slash/joey and find everything you need to know there. But uh, yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Joey. Thank you. A huge. Thank you to Joey Lewandowski for stopping by the slumber party, the godfather, and a bigger thank you for cracking this hundo with me. I can't believe episode 101. This is amazing. I never thought we'd get here. We're here. This is awesome, though. Woo! And we're doing more than ever. So next week's homework is going to be a film that maybe you've heard of, but probably not. But one of my favorite guests is going to be here. I'm so excited to talk about it. She suggested it last time when we were doing our Twilight Forever series. And that's the film, Hiding Out. And the guest, of course, is Kate Hudson. Did you ever ask yourself, how did I get here? Who wants to kill you? Oh, well, this money guy dude, came to our company with a lot of bonds he wanted us to handle. Millions of dollars worth. Come on, what do you think Capitos is going to do? He's going to kill us? Get us laundering money for the mob! There's only one thing more frightening than murder. High school. John Cryer is hiding out. You left the outside world. you got to orient your thinking. you got to think repression and limits. Think humiliation and despair. You're in high school, for God's sake. No smoking on the school grounds! First name first, last name last. Oh, you want, you want my name? Maxwell. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Andrew. Max. Max. Right. Sean? You're the guy that looking for the newspaper from up there in Boston. I used to be exactly like you. I was a short, hopeless dork. But look at you now. Well, I'm not short. 
I can look at her face the rest of my life. The rest of your life may not add up to much, pal. Well, I'm almost 30 and I'm still in high school. I hate it. What is this stuff? You don't want to know. John Cryer. Last school attended. Cornell. High school. Is hiding out. If you've listened to an episode of Kate Hudson before, you know that one's going to be fun. And that'll be on Friday. That is your Friday assignment. Back to the regular schedule there. And then we'll go Monday, Friday, Monday, Friday, until I collapse onto myself like a dying star. Anyway, (laughs) thanks so much for listening in on this very special Monday. I appreciate it more than words. I appreciate you guys. Stay safe. Stay healthy. I leave you with another song from the soundtrack. Bon Iver's Heavenly Father. And remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes.